Hello and welcome to The Road to Net Zero, a podcast from the Advanced Propulsion Centre. My name is Clem Silverman and this episode is the second part of our 10-year anniversary celebration in which I've sat down with the esteemed APC board members to talk about how this sector has changed over the past decade. I'm joined virtually by Chairman Bob Dover, Neville Jackson and Colin Garner, each with a slight variation in audio quality, but don't let that put you off. We cover a range of topics and also you'll hear a couple of clips from some of the APC's project partners captured at this year's Senex LCV back in September 2023. So to kick us off, let's find out more about my three guests this week. Well, if you want to go first, that'd be fantastic. Just tell me who you are, what your background is professionally and how you've come to work with the APC and your experience with it so far. I've spent all my life in the motor industry. Um, first at Bestial Fisher, then British Leyland, then Rover, Jaguar, Land Rover, Aston Martin. The end of my career was running, uh, putting together Jaguar and Land Rover, having been forced out of Aston Martin by Ford, who said, this is your next promotion. You've got to do it. So I started off as a mechanical engineer, moved into product management, program management, and then senior management. So that's me. So very much, very much an automotive background. But one piece of bad luck after another. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, Neville, I'll, I'll come to you next. So uh, who are you and uh, what have you done? Yeah, so I'm Neville Jackson. I spent 40 years in automotive R&D, primarily in propulsion systems at Ricardo. And the last 10 years as CTO, I left there in 2019. And since that time, I've got a portfolio of things such as uh, working with the APC, chairing the UK Auto Council Strategy Group and chairing the RAC Foundation. Fantastic. Thanks very much. And uh, and Colin, I'll come to you last. Hey, so Colin Garner, I've spent the bulk of my career working at Loughborough University. And for the last 20 years, I was a professor of applied thermodynamics. I've worked almost exclusively in the automotive and propulsion uh, sector in that time, working on R&D projects, uh, very closely working with industry. I've had the enormous privilege of serving the APC as non-exec director for the last uh, nine years. And uh, yeah, it's been a really rewarding experience. Thank you so much. So I think the, the first question I wanted to, to ask you is um, when, the, when you first joined the APC, what did you feel the immediate priorities at the time were? Um, Colin, I'll come straight back to you, actually, since you, uh, since you, since you mentioned how long you've, you've been serving as uh, at the APC. So think back to nine years ago. What, what, what were the priorities then and how perhaps have they, have they changed now? I think the, the then CEO, uh, Tony Pixton, very much saw the need to have a very fast start. We, we wanted to start well and rapidly to get the investment into the companies for them to then in turn invest in new technologies so that they could really make a difference very quickly. So that was the first priority. I think the second priority was to bring all the stakeholders together to ensure that everyone was aligned. Now, there's been a tremendous amount of work done leading up to the formation of the APC through, through the Automotive Council and many other bodies, really making sure we were aligned, but we had to really, uh, really take that to the next level. And I think that was the priority. So it was the speed and, and actually making things happen uh, at scale 
uh, at the right pace. And Bob, how how did the model sit with the rest of the automotive industry in terms of the government and industry collaboration model, which had been copied perhaps from 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 other countries and been trialed elsewhere? Um, how, how did how did that sit with um, the rest of the industry? What were their hopes for the APC at the beginning? Well, the industry wasn't to a degree still is in chaos um, with the changes in regulations, changes in perception, changes in understanding, and a wider appreciation of what decarbonisation actually means, how you pay for it, and where's the plan. Most governments have got a vision, uh, but turning that into a series of actions which are planned, resourced, and uh, and, and measured, that's a different story. Yeah, no, Neville, you're, you're nodding in, in, in agreement a little bit there. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think the, the surprising thing for me is how fast things have changed. I spent nearly all of my career trying to convince the auto industry to improve efficiency and uh, to move to new technologies. And I would say for the first 25 to 30 years of that, it was a really hard battle because everything was always more expensive. Consumer won't want it. They won't pay for fuel economy. They won't pay for, for more efficiency. However, over the last 10 years, that picture has changed completely. Now, the only topic is how to improve efficiency, how to reduce carbon. If it costs a little bit more, well, we'll deal with that. So it's just that whole change in attitude that's been really surprising to me given my past experiences and I, I think it's a, a testament to how many auto companies now just see the longer term and sustainability as their priority yeah what, what's been the main driver for that is that policy and regulation change um and is the ecosystem in the uk conducive to producing a, a tesla or helping to transform the incumbents into um success uh, there were a lot of questions there. <laughs> there was quite a lot of questions. Which one would you like Let to me first? start with the last one. Would the UK <laughs> be able to produce another Tesla? Um, I'm not so sure at the moment. Tesla is a bit of a special case. Lots of companies have tried in that direction. Tesla have been the only success so far. Does the ecosystem and the funding system in the UK provide that kind of support? Or do you have an individual with sufficient resources to drive all of those challenges through. And let's not forget, Elon Musk went through some very significant challenges. I always remember the hell of production, as he called it, which is what a lot of auto manufacturers face. How do you make millions of something where your customers come back and not your products? That is really difficult. So I think we could do that if we get the right support packages and finance systems and regulations in place but we do need some really long-term thinking for it to succeed so what was the first part of the question <laughs> uh, sort of the driver of this change basically um, right from my perspective being in a very fortunate position to have worked with pretty much nearly all of the world's auto industry i would say vehicle manufacturers are very consumer facing organizations they are very focused on what their customers want. And if their customers, they believe, for instance, are now very concerned about the environment and want to see more sustainable practices, that is what they will do. In my view, 
the vehicle manufacturers can move much faster than the majority of their customers can in terms of their needs and wants. And I think they're just responding to that. Hmm. And Colin, from the uh, sort of the research point of view, you know, we always say in the UK that the research is excellence, but moving through commercialization is more of a challenge. Um, mm. How has the APC helped move the dial on that um, in the past few years? I think what it's really enabled us to do as a, as a university, for example, is to participate in um, projects at large scale. So in the past, universities around the country would work on relatively small projects uh, over uh, perhaps shorter periods of time, and and they really wouldn't see a huge difference. But now at the scale that APC is able to invest in, you're seeing large projects with large teams working together where you can really translate the ideas that may have started um, in various R&D organizations, could be the universities, they can then go straight through into products uh, in a short space of time. I mean, universities, uh, generally speaking, are not very good at productionizing things at all. That's just not their, their gift. Uh, industry is extremely good at doing that, uh, and you need to join the, the two together, and that's what we've seen. They can actually point to products where they say, we have made uh, an input into that, very much led by industry, and delivered by industry, but supported and 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 you know there's been a direct translation from the the university sector. So it's been very successful. To explain more about that translation in action and the APC's collaborative model, here's one of our APC project partners interviewed earlier this year outside on the steering pad at Senex LCV. Super. Uh, so I am Dr. Christian Burton. I'm of the CSA Catapult, so Compound Semiconductor Applications Catapult. Um, and we work between uh, academia and industry um, to help bridge the gap between research and deployed innovation. Brilliant. So we're outside in the bright sunshine <laughs> at Senex LCV and um, standing in front of this amazing looking vehicle. Just explain what the project is that you're here showcasing today. Sure, so the project is at FutureBev, that's Future Battery Electric Vehicle. Um, the project is focused around inclusion and uh, um, design optimization of next generation silicon carbide. So bringing that into the vehicle, essentially. We have BMW, who are the lead industrial partner on the project. Just explain from your point of view, the benefit of being part of one of these consortiums. Sure. Um, I can't speak highly enough of it. Um, everybody starts off within their own company, within their own ethos, and it's the coming together where the real education and scale-up opportunity happens. Um, it's been phenomenal how many requirements have come from each of the partners uh, and the progression towards um, a coherent market offering within the semiconductor space we've been able to produce uh, across all the partners. And we're doing that against the backdrop of also deploying that research. So being able to bring uh, latest efficiency, latest performance, um, size, weight and power, sort of the usual uh, customers for, for an optimization project. Um, we've been able to hit all of those while creating huge advances in what partners are able to offer. So yeah, I can't speak highly of it enough. I think each of the partners would as well. Now that's a vote of confidence. And how do you see that, Bob, working that, that trifecta of uh, industry, government and academia, the universities, all working together to, um, to enact this uh, transformation? Good question. The, 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 the weak point for me has always been government in, in the lack of constancy of purpose for projects which last more than four years. 
we don't seem to have the ability to manage long-term changes in infrastructure. You know, if we were going to try and build the M6 to M1 link now, I'm not sure we could do it because we created 30 years ago, you know, the longest viaduct in Europe, and we were moving canals and power stations and all sorts of stuff to do it. And the, the desire to improve infrastructure, I think, is a major flaw in the way that we manage our, our, our major projects. So the infrastructure question is some, somewhat of a taboo sometimes at the APC because we say, we're just doing the vehicles, we're, we're working on the vehicles, we're doing that well, we're developing the technology. What can we say as our organisation um, on the infrastructure? Yeah, there's a convergence, isn't there? There's a convergence in terms of fuel types. Uh, everyone needs high-performance liquid fuels, whether it's the aircraft industry or the road or rail. Um, so you, you can see there's a, an issue of convergence there. and. Uh, and by just by putting the automotive blinkers on, we don't do any justice to the other sectors. We're keeping our end up, no question. We've done really, really well, and we're very proud to be part of that. Glenn, I, I think when you look at the Elon Musk model, he recognised, and his his organisation Tesla recognised, for people to want to buy an electric car, they wanted to know they could charge it. Now, clearly, you can. Many people can charge at home, but they also want to know, can they charge fast out on the road if necessary? So what he did, he invested in infrastructure. Now, they, they, the, the, the owners of Teslas may not actually use the superchargers, but they know they're there. And I think that certainly enabled people to want to take that step. Now, I don't think the APC should be investing in infrastructure because our focus is the vehicle and the propulsion technologies within that. But clearly, someone needs to invest in the infrastructure somewhere to allow these new uh, sustainable uh, forms of transport to work. And I think it, 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 there's, there's a number of um, challenges there because of the sheer cadence of the different technologies. If you look at investments in terms of infrastructure, is many decades. And if you take the product cycles in the automotive industry, they're going down and down and down now just to a matter of a few years. And, and and so we need to reconcile that. Well, someone needs to grasp this in some way uh, for the market to really uh, get the infrastructure to match the the the, uh, the availability of the of these new types of vehicles. So obviously, APC's role is not to invest in those type of uh, projects, but we do now um, provide insight to industry, but also crucially to government about what the demand is for the industry um for the the battery capacity critical materials um, we have a lot of insights coming out through our technology trends team um how has that sort of business model of the apc changed over the past few years and does that insight help to inform those conversations and help you know help those that are making the choices in the long-term planning um to make the right choices Absolutely. I mean, we've moved, if, if you like, from a from a really a funding organisation to include, we're still including funding now, that's a major part of what we do. But we've also moved into a knowledge organisation, as well as the support for industry in, in other ways. So we need to inform the, the wider industry of the need for infrastructure. We're not going to do that, but that's all part of the road mapping. Okay, well, talking about what we do, um, <laughs> 
is there anything that stands out to you, uh, a particular favorite project or a piece of technology that uh, that has been supported? Neville, perhaps I'll come to you if you have a, a particular favorite. What I would say is the thing that has surprised me is how fast we've moved from consumers being concerned about range anxiety to moving towards charge anxiety. That was a bit of a surprise for me, how fast the vehicle manufacturers were able to increase the range of their vehicles while still providing all the performance and other benefits and not a significant increase in cost. I think that was the biggest surprise for me, moving much faster than I thought. Oh, okay. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Bob, any, any, anything from you, anything that's surprised you? Well, my amazement really is that it continues to accelerate. It continues to get faster and faster. And okay, I know I'm getting old and slow and stuff, but even so, the speed at which the you know new powertrains come along, new companies come along, I, I, I find it quite extraordinary and and really very exciting. Um, Colin, go on and you can round round us just off. To, just to really echo what Bob and, and Neville have said, it's the sheer speed of everything has, has been the big surprise for me. Mm. I think the technologies we knew type the, where we might go, uh, I just didn't think we'd be there within nine years. <laughs> I, you know, it, and and as Bob said, it, it's going in faster and faster and faster. I think there's also we've recognised that there's a tremendous amount of added value in in power electronics and and other areas that perhaps didn't have such good visibility a few years ago. So um, mm. yeah, the sheer speed uh, has been uh, great, and uh, it just showed that the the ecosystem has got the agility where the where there's investment. And we need to get all kinds of investment, including the APC, to, to keep this ecosystem really, uh, really going and to, and to be as strong as possible. Speaking of power electronics, we heard from the CSA Catapult earlier. And here is another player, McLaren Applied, also interviewed at Senex LCV in September. So I'm Paolo Barjaki. I'm head of products for electrification at McLaren Applied. So I look after our product strategy, our roadmap for how we develop specifically power electronics products for automotive Brilliant. Um, and power electronics is one of the key technology petals for the Advanced Propulsion Center. We're celebrating our 10 year anniversary this year. Um, what's been in your experience working with the APC on some of the grant funded uh, projects um, that we put together? Yeah, it's been brilliant. Uh, it's absolutely key for us um, for two aspects. Of course, there's a financial, but also it's about the consortium bringing people together. We've had a, a fantastic uh, project called Escape, which has been end-to-end -end supply chain, um, focusing really on everything from the wafer, the epitaxy, through to the fabrication, and all the way through to ourselves, which is more focused then on the application level. Um, and really, it's absolutely what's needed. I think the UK, you know, we, we've got to focus on pioneering innovation. That's how we compete on a global scale. And uh, bringing everyone together, um, you get learning from each other, but then also you can support and having the full chain and industrialization at the end absolutely makes it uh, commercially viable. Yeah, exactly. Commercialization and industrialization are the next steps. Um, for you, if there's one thing you could hope for for the future in terms of um, this kind of uh, supported um, in activity, what might that be? Uh, it's it's a yeah it's a good question. Uh, obviously, we're kind of at the end of the chain because we're doing the application level level as the the tier one. So for us, the main component that's coming in is the power module technology. 
And at the minute, the main power module providers that, you know, the top five, they're all outside of the UK. So if we could get additional investment that brings that more inside of the UK that's truly competitive, but also push pushing the cutting edge, I think that would be really key for us. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Paolo. So, Neville, the pace of change in the power electronics space in the UK is picking up. But looking ahead, what do you feel will happen in the next decade more broadly? Will that speed continue exponentially? What might be some of the shifts we'll see in the future? For me, the, the next 10 years is all about moving from what I would call zero tailpipe to net zero. And how do we move in that direction? Because that means looking much further up supply chains. So where do your materials come from? What processing is required? Where's that carried out? How do you minimize the, the impacts, the environmental impacts of doing those things? And we've really got a lot of work to do to build the supply chains in the UK. To think that, you know, we've been going for 10 years, we've made huge progress, but actually embedding the supply chains for the transport revolution in the UK is the most important thing to do over the next 10 years and ensure that their plans are to get to net zero. And that's a massive role and something that I think the APC is going to be focused on in its next phase, because that's that's the really important thing to deliver. Zero tailpipe is just one step. What are the sort of levers then that um, government can use to make sure those supply chains are anchored in, in the UK? And are there certain things that we just can't do? So we can't do everything. We need to be clear about that. We have to be focused on what we can do and do it well, but making sure we have got critical mass in the UK. To try and do some of these things piecemeal, I think is probably not going to be successful. We've got to think more system and how do we get these systems to work well? If we are going to source from overseas, how do we de-risk that so we're not too dependent on one individual place? How do we make sure we are the best and cleanest at processing of materials? An APC has a huge role to play there. And I think it's it's I think as as Bob said at the beginning, how can we be more persistent and do these things over a longer period? When we originally thought of the concept of APC back in 2010, 2011, it was about a long-term commitment, a 10-year, 1 billion exercise. Those were arbitrary numbers. That wasn't say work was going to be done in 10 years or it was only going to cost 1 billion. It was to indicate the timescales involved to make these things work. We have another 10 years now that we must push towards and probably even more money if we really want to be successful and drive this whole net zero agenda and for the UK to lead the world and be the place to come to and invest. Mm. Colin Skitt says skills are a challenge for, for industry and getting the right people. Um, is that still the case? Um, and, um, you know, what, what's being done to, to address that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it comes down to people, really. And if you take uh, APC projects, you see one of the kind of slightly intangible benefits, but but it, but it is that the uh, many individuals and many teams really do grow. Uh, you get postdoctoral researchers start an APC project. Three years later, their ability to help deliver big you know big programs has improved tremendously. You also see people within companies really uh, be, you know, they, they, they become much better at delivery. 
So, uh, and then you've got people moving from academia to, to industry. So we, we have all of that, uh, but it's not our main aim is to do the training. There's many other people in, in the sector are doing training and that there's many other people that contribute to that overall upskilling of, of the UK um, ecosystem, if you like. But uh, clearly the projects themselves do that anyway, which is which I think is a real, real bonus. And it's something I've seen firsthand in, in several projects where I've seen people um, grow tremendously. Fantastic. So to wrap up, Neville, what are your final thoughts about the APC and this automotive funding landscape? The APC, the ATF and things like Faraday are world class. Nobody else has achieved that kind of linkage and continuity and joined up thinking. And the more we do on that, the more successful we will be. So my view, particularly over where we go over the next 10 years, is how do we all work better together? you know, across all the different functions between industry and government. We think in the UK, maybe, you know, there's a difficult relationship between industry and government. Yeah, okay, but it's a lot worse everywhere else. We really <laughs> can make a lot of difference here. And let's just focus on, you know, what we do well and keep talking and working together and working collaboratively. And we will be successful, in my view. And APC is playing a very large part in that. But the APC team, um, I think it's just brilliant. I think the way they work together, it's a joy to see so many young people so confident in, in the external things we do. And that's a continual joy for me, I have to say. No, I won't say that to everybody because they, they know I'm grumpy and moany and old, but it's a, it's a real pleasure to work with, uh, with a high performance, motivated, well-educated young people. I think it's 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 a it's a pleasure, really. Well, it's uh, it's on the record now, so um, I'll play that back at every I opportunity. Can, you can delete it. It's okay. <laughs> Thanks again to all the board members: Bob Dover, Neville Jackson, and Colin Garner, and to Jeffrey Bicknell and Charles Haswell for participating in both of these special episodes for a slight bit of navel gazing. But I've really enjoyed discussing the past ten years of innovation how the sector and the APC has changed over that time. It's my pleasure. Nice to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening and do look out for future episodes of The Road to Net Zero coming very soon.